Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the federal government ramps up delivery of vaccines to the provinces. This week, we are on track to see approximately 945,000 doses of vaccines arriving in Canada in total. Karen O'Toole says Canada is at an economic crossroads. If Mr. Trudeau wants to reimagine our economy and pick what jobs and what sectors he supports, that's the wrong path. We need to support job creation in every sector, in every part of the country, so that people can get working, that families can, can be productive, the economy can open up. And the NDP lays out its plan for supporting small business. We know that some of the biggest businesses, big banks, big corporations, the big box stores have done well, and some of them have actually made record profits. We know some of the web giants have done really well in this time. But while Justin Trudeau and the Liberals supported the big businesses, they let small businesses behind. It's Wednesday, March the 3rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Glad to be here, Mark. Let's talk about where we stand with vaccines. There are uh, polls that show Canadians are getting a little more optimistic as as vaccines appear to be on their way. We know this is going to be a big month. Um, What do you think about where Canada stands right now and what some of the obstacles are that we still face in actually rolling out a vaccination program on a wide scale? Well, I mean, progress has been slow. Uh, I know in my own world, uh, the only person I know who's been vaccinated is my mother, who lives in a long-term care center, and me, uh, because I'm one of the the two designated caregivers who's allowed to go in and visit her uh, in the facility. So um, that's not a big number. You know, I, I imagine a lot of Canadians are in the same boat. They might know a granddad or, or an elderly friend who may have been vaccinated, but uh, it's still going very slowly. Um, Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, which we don't have to go all through, and the listeners have heard these many times. Um, But, I mean, they're going fast now in the United States after uh, uh, more than a year of wasted time under the Trump administration. Um, They seem to be picking up speed in in the U.K., Um, so it's... There are leaders in this. Uh, Canada isn't one of them at the point, at this point. But um, you know, we're catching up, and um, I think you know Canada is a place where once they get a grip on something, they they tend to be pretty efficient and pretty determined. So uh, I think we'll get there, but uh, it's it is a long and, and patience testing process. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the state of the economy. Aaron O'Toole, the conservative leader, has said we are at a crossroads, and uh, he's concerned about economic recovery as we uh, vaccinate more Canadians and emerge from the pandemic over the months ahead. Uh, What do you think are some of the critical elements to the recovery? Well, number one, the thing we just spoke about is, is vaccines and beating down the pandemic. Uh, you know, Canada hasn't been hit as hard as many other countries, especially the U.S. and some of the European countries. Uh, so we don't have, have as far to go back. And, you know, there's a lot of real doomsaying talk out there um, in, uh, about how the economy is on the verge of collapse and things like that. That's not true. Uh, the GDP figures that came out from Statistics Canada this week 
show there is a, a bounce back. It's it's starting to gather momentum again. The vaccine is being rolled out, um, but there is a lot of really crazy talk and stupid talk about what's going on in the economy. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, the you know some people are saying, well, you know, small businesses and others are, are getting screwed by this. You know, which is true, but the fact is is that small businesses aren't as ready to deal with calamity as big, well-capitalized companies are. And uh, I think it is a challenge uh, to restore the more vulnerable parts of our economy, you know, the small mom-and-pop businesses and the owner-operated ones that don't have a big capitalization base. But, um, you know, where there's a need for these things in the economy, these companies will bounce back over time. Um, they've got a long, hard road to go, but it's not as bleak as, be, as it's being cast in a lot of places, I don't think, anyway. And what about Aaron O'Toole? Is he also at a crossroads, like as he describes the Canadian economy? Uh, because there, there have been a lot of rumblings of late in the last couple of weeks about what's happening inside the caucus, um, whether he has the full confidence of of MPs. There were, uh, obviously, there was criticism of that video that he released that uh, had a porta potty in it. Uh, what what do you think about where he stands right now, heading into perhaps uh, pre-election season? Well, you know, in a minority government, it's always pre-election season. But I do agree that there are some very serious doubts being uh, raised about Aaron O'Toole, not just by his opponents, uh, but apparently within the party ranks. They're they're not really sure what he stands for. Is he a, you know, trump light uh, social conservative type, or is he uh, a progressive conservative? Is he, you know, he doesn't seem like a red Tory, but maybe he will be tomorrow. And and I think it's the party that's trying to find its footing. You know, it's tough to, and, and I have some sympathy with their plight. It's tough to be an opposition party at a time of national crisis, because uh, you don't want to look like you're just, running around, you know, as a bunch of Cassandras warning about everything and, and not doing anything constructive to help. Um, but, you know, I do think that uh, O'Toole has problems within his ranks that the other parties don't have. They don't have lingering Trumpism that's spilled over the border. It's only spilled over into the Conservative Party, well, or into the Maxime Bernier Party. And so there, there's issues there that uh, O'Toole as a new and untested leader, has really not had time to work out. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting to see whether the Conservatives will have enough patience with him to get through. I mean, obviously he's going to be there for the next election, uh, but it is uh, it is touch and go. And I don't know what a crossroads actually means in politics. You could go one way or the other, I suppose. Um, but at the same time... Uh, you know, O'Toole has a lot to prove to the Canadian public and apparently even has things to prove to his own party. All right, let's turn to the NDP. Uh, yesterday, Jagmeet Singh released what some people described as election-style promises about what an NDP government would do to support small business, for example. Um, what do you think about uh, the content of what he shared and also uh, the the chances for Jagmeet Singh? There, there's been a lot of talk about how because of where the Liberals have positioned themselves, the NDP has been has been pushed to the margins, and uh, the idea of an NDP government seems much more remote than it did, say, five and a half years ago. Yeah, um, it does. 
uh, you know, there's no election going on now, so people's minds aren't focused. I did see something this week uh, where, you know, the liberals are, are falling a bit in the polls, and that is going to the NDP. So weakness in the liberals is going to help the NDP, not the conservatives. Um, the conservatives are the ones who seem really stuck. There's no dyna- dynamism in their poll numbers. Um, but, you know, at the, it, it is understandable that Jagmeet Singh would go to B.C., where the NDP is flying high, and, you know, they own the provincial government, uh, and they're doing well compared to the rest of the country. Um, but, you know, they do have a long way to go. And, um, you know, I think it's prob- it may be a smart thing to go out and make a few... I don't want to call them promises, but say commitments or policy aims well out ahead of the election call so they can spend some time trying to develop these ideas in the minds of the voters. Uh, Because right now it's all about Trudeau and it's all about the pandemic and it's all about the liberals and everything like that. And the NDP is sort of trying to get some attention. You know, it chronically gets undercovered in the media and it's and so it's it's really in a in a, in a tough spot at twenty percent, um, but it must feel the opportunity is there to take some strength away from the liberals um, over the longer term. So why not get out and explain what they actually would do? Um, and I think even after a year or, or you know sometime as leader, that Jagmeet Singh is still not well known in the Canadian public. He hasn't been well defined. I don't think by his own party. So, you know, there's, they've got a long way to go, and uh, why not get started now? Just as we wrap up, Dan, a quick thought from you on today's Defense Committee meeting where the former military ombudsman is going to testify. This is all about the allegations of inappropriate conduct against the former chief of the defense staff, Jonathan Vance. So there is, of course, uh, the behavior of Vance, but there's also the political storyline to this, which is around who knew what and when. Uh, what do you expect from the meeting today and from where this could go in the future? Well, you know, because I don't particularly care about, you know, the political aspect of it in the sense that um, are they going to find a way to dent Defense Minister Hajit Sajjan? I mean, okay, you know, if he, if he knew something a couple years ago and didn't move fast enough on it, uh, you know, uh, Yes, maybe they'll be able to dent the defense minister and, and by extension, the liberal government. Um, You know, Vance himself has gone. So now they're trying to pick up the pieces. But this scandal or, you know, this abuse of power on on Vance's part, which is what it appears to be by having a a relationship with a junior officer and and making other inappropriate uh, moves. But... um, you know, I think the larger thing here, Mark, really is the independence of this ombudsman. You know, we're terrible in Canada on oversight. Our oversight of the RCMP, of the of CSIS, of spy agencies, these things are sorely lacking. They, they only get sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, token treatment by the parliamentary committees, if you ask me. And, and I think this points out that um, ombudspeople in the various government departments, especially huge agencies like the, the military, um, really need to have some, some muscle and some teeth. And they really have to be able to make things um, public because it's only through public pressure that any of this stuff ever gets changed. So it'll be interesting to see what the former ombudsman says with the uh, weight of parliamentary privilege in the committee. 
because I think that could be more revealing than just, oh, well, the minister knew this and he should have done that. And so let's kick out the liberals because, uh, you know, they didn't move fast enough mm. on this file. So, right. you know, there, there's a lot going on there, if you ask me. All right. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. That will be our relentless focus is job creation. We are also developing great policies on everything from climate change to support for, for, uh, for the great work unions are doing to build skills training and capacity. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues with an election coming, Aaron O'Toole needs to pick a lane. Coyne writes... Opinion polls show he is the least popular of all federal leaders. Members of his caucus are confused, demoralized, and pleading for direction. With the budget coming and the scent of an election in the air, the particulars of the policies the party and its leader choose to adopt matter less than the choice itself. A leader who cannot decide on a course is only notionally a leader. And notional leaders have a way of finding themselves back among the lead. At iPolitics, Andrew Fleming calls on political parties to tone down the tone-deaf messaging. Fleming writes, It's been a rough couple of weeks for parties hoping to lighten the mood as we approach the one-year mark of the pandemic. The NDP took a beating after posting what they claimed was a leaked copy of the Prime Minister's notes for his meeting with the U.S. President. Video footage emerged of Aaron O'Toole standing outside the PMO's building beside a porta potty Hilarity failed to ensue. They say laughter is the best medicine, but right now most Canadians are more interested in receiving actual medicine. In the Toronto Star, Rosie DeMano argues Joe Biden's weakness on Jamal Khashoggi's murder is his first act of dismal real politic. DeMano writes, On the campaign trail, Biden had been scathing about the Saudi prince, but that was then, this is now, and Biden has lost his nerve. And we aren't without blood on our hands either. For several years, Canada has been shipping armoured vehicles to the kingdom. After the murder of Khashoggi, Justin Trudeau froze exports pending a review. That pause was quietly lifted last April when the review found no evidence that Canadian military hardware was being used for human rights violations. So we can shake hands with the devil too. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. A parliamentary committee looking into allegations of inappropriate behaviour and sexual impropriety by former Chief of the Defence Staff Jonathan Vance will hear some crucial testimony today. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Gary Walburn will appear before the Commons Defence Committee and he's slated to testify for up to two hours. Mr. Walburn is retired now, but he served as a National Defence Ombudsman for the Armed Forces. Conservatives on the committee consider that Mr. Walburn's testimony is crucial to determining what Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan may have known about allegations of sexual misconduct against former Chief of Defence Staff John Vance. Conservative members took the exceptional step of summoning Mr. Walburn to appear before the committee after he declined an earlier, friendlier request from the committee. Both Walburn and Defence Minister uh, Sajjan have declined until now to testify about discussions between them, citing the confidential nature of any discussion between the National Defence Ombudsman and the Minister. Sources have suggested that the Ombudsman raised concerns about reports he was asked to look into concerning alleged inappropriate behaviour by then Chief of Defence Staff Vance. 
Sources also suggest that the government was unable to further pursue any inquiries into the allegations of inappropriate behavior of General Vance because of the former ombudsman's insistence that much of his investigation had to remain confidential. So, Mark, it's going to be a very interesting session of the Defence Committee this afternoon. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will hold a news conference on the COVID-19 situation, along with Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland and Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Green Party leader Annamie Paul will hold a town hall on long-term care. And National Revenue Minister Diane Le Boutelier will hold a virtual news conference to announce support for the Quebec fishing industry. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, March the 3rd. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.